This podcast is brought to you by PodPro Australia. At that stage of life, I blamed my father for a lot of the yeah. what I perceived to be problems in my life. Yeah. Um, it was all his fault. If my father had been nicer to me, if my father hadn't been so strict, if my father hadn't done this, if I'd been brought up differently, then I wouldn't be blah, blah, blah. I was in a very strong blame game situation in my late 20s. Yeah. So there was one line in that book that said... Um, Parents do the best they can with the skills and knowledge they have at the time. And that one line, like, created this epiphany for me that all of a sudden, all of that blame, it was overnight, disappeared and dissipated. And I realised at that point, I'm an adult now, I'm responsible for my life. You can't hate someone whose story you know. And... I have interpreted that over the years and certainly getting to know lots of people, mainly professionally in the early stages, but I apply that to everybody and everything these days. So get to know the story. Gotcha. Get to know what the circumstances are. And when we talk about fostering, our kids are in foster care for a reason. Yeah. And it's usually something that's dysfunctional on several levels. Understand the story, yeah. you start to understand what might be influencing the patterns that have been created in that child. How does Neville make you a better person? Um, by giving me the space to be who I truly am. Wow. Um, and, and loving me. Wow. Hmm. You know, I regard that as one of the great acts of in my limited <laughs> experiences of what love is, it is the ability to give the other the space to be themselves mm. and not to ask them to be the person that they need you to be. Who I am now is a, re is a result of, of me being responsible for me, not what yeah. other people do to me. I'm in charge of my life. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, my dear listeners, guess what? You are here with A Journey with Bernie. Neville Stone, you're my guest. Justine Baker, you're my guest. But Neville, you're a regular on A Journey with Bernie, a regular listener. Certainly I'm am. asking right up front, tell me why, please. <laughs> I, I love having a regular listener on the podcast today. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Look, I, I've found... Uh, inspiration in some of the stories of various individuals you have. That's and I, I, I always look for something positive yeah. and how other people express love and, yeah. and kindness and uh, put value into their own communities, into their own lives and the people they affect. And yeah. uh, some of the weirdos that you've had on there, myself <laughs> included. <Excuse> me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to even mention names there in case they they, 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 they they have an inference that they're one of the weirdos. Oh, look, I'm sure some of them would probably uh, accept that they are because uh, there's a lot of them are stepping outside what most people would term 
normal. I tell you what is interesting. A lot of them at the end of the podcast have said to me privately, oh, Bernie, I almost found that therapeutic. <laughs> <laughs> I found some real value. In show. You made me think about certain things I hadn't thought about before. Mm. Hey, dear people, you've got a little bit of a taste of Justine Baker and Neville Stone. What they haven't told you is what this podcast is about or what their story is about. We're going to come to that very, very shortly because I need to thank you, dear listeners. We have been asking for a couple of weeks now for you to press the followship button or the uh, you know become a, uh, a, a strong supporter of the uh, of the podcast and this is so essential chip not so long ago spoke about the algorithms of these podcasting platforms and the more and more followership the more and more subscribers we have it elevates the podcast to a level where if anybody goes looking for a particular type of podcast on love happiness and meaning then the journey with bernie is going to come to the top of the pile so your fellowship and your subscribership i just made that word up um, is just so absolutely vital and i thank you because it's become obvious in a few weeks guess what some of you have been pressing the button and you've been turning the lights on for us and we're so thankful and i'm thankful because touching 50 countries and around about 6,000 listeners per episode, then uh, we're getting a lot of people now starting to hear the stories that Neville was just referring to. And you heard it from Neville. He's a listener. And he, he said that uh, so many of them provide inspiration um, for him. Now, Justine, yes. you have a relationship with one of our episodes. Absolutely. Oh, how is Janet? Janet <laughs> Sami? Janet, Dignified movements. Janet is wonderful. She is an amazing woman. Um, I, I'd been in the disability sector for quite a while before I met Jeanette and, yeah. and I got burnt by a previous company so much so that I was actually thinking about leaving the sector. Um, and then I met Jeanette and yeah. um, she asked me to come and join her at Dignified and um, having met her, I, I couldn't not. She's, she's just awesome. Yeah. Uh, how has Dignified Movements moved on? For our listeners... Jeanette was the 70-plus-year-old lady who's supposed to be retired but got so motivated looking after her beautiful uncle and her aunt that she decided to open up a million-dollar business and it's going crazy, yep. the last I heard. How's it been going recently? I'd love an update. Yeah, we're continue, continuing to expand. In fact, um, one of the reasons why I was a little bit late today was because I was off signing up another new um, a, a client this morning um, who has – really struggled to find a um, a high quality service provider um, so we're yeah looking at uh, at providing the supports for her but um, yeah no, we, we're growing and building and uh, we're expanding the team I've now got my third support manager on wow. um, and Jeanette's currently looking um, through some business connections at expanding into Singapore so she's got some meetings up there later in the month yeah I so, said 70 well, early in the month I said 70 month. she's older than 70 uh, she is, she oh, turns, the 71 we don't this discuss year. these. 70, so she was 71 in her birthday this year. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. How amazing. How? She, 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 uh, she, uh, she shames me with regards to her energy. I'm looking at you now, Justine, and I'm looking at, uh, 
I'm going to say a fulfilled face. <laughs> I and love I, my job. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I'm. That's what I'm alluding to. So I'm imagining that in the process of of being in dignified movement and being in the environment that I know that a Jeanette Sami uh, uh, invokes what she creates and you with her, I've no doubt that you're a beautiful two IC partner in crime with her. How does how does that environment um, ignite your your love for people? I, I think you've got it innately, and we're going to learn that you have. We know that, but it appears to me that y- you love what you do. You look as though you've got a love for people, but I think you're at your top of your game at the moment, the top of your loving game at the moment. Am I speaking some truth here? Absolutely. We all have good days and bad days. And certainly um, in this, anybody who knows the disability sector knows that you definitely have good days and bad days. There's days that you wish you yeah. hadn't got out of bed. Um, however, it's it's the good days that keep you going. One of, one of the things that I've implemented um, since being with Dignified is in all of our team meetings, so it doesn't matter whether it's a, a frontline team meeting, a client team meeting, or a, even a, an executive team meeting, the very first thing it, on the agenda is our goals or wins for the week, month, whatever the period of time yeah. is. Um, because we need to focus on and remember why we do the job. Because it's very easy to get caught up in the, this hasn't happened, that hasn't happened, the bed hasn't turned up, the continence aids aren't there, the client's upset again, um, the family uh, want to change, uh, you know, things yeah. go wrong sure. regularly. So it's very easy to get caught. You know, staff don't turn up. Yeah, it's very easy to get caught up in the in the downward spiral of that sort of stuff. So to remember why we do this job, and it can be as little as um, today they went outside for the first time in two weeks because they were feeling great and sat yeah. in the garden for half an hour and enjoyed the sun. That for that that can be a win for a client. Yeah. It doesn't have to be, you know, going to the top of the Q1 or, or anything big, you know, going down doing iFly or going on the latest roller coaster. It can be as simple as putting yeah, their feet in the seat. Yeah. Why do you do the job? <laughs> why What's <do> your I... <laughs> why? My why. Why do you choose this place of work and, and not something that offers you three days a week and, and, and you can be home more? Why? Um, it, it's it's for that reason. It's it's being able to make a difference. It's being able to um, uh, to. So when I first started out in the sector, I found I was naturally um, had a natural affinity to help people become the best versions of themselves. So one of the best things that anybody ever did to me in the sector was you know family members or other staff or management saying to me, "Oh, you won't get them to do that." There's no way in the world that client will ever oh. get in the car and <laughs> go on an outing. I <laughs> know, really. Best thing to say to me, you can't do that because then I've got to go and prove that I can. Yep. So, um, and what I found was that just um, by being really positive and taking a positive tack and, and being about the person and, and guiding them and helping them, I did. I, you know, there was one client in mind in particular who I was, hadn't been, had travelled in a van because so she had to step up and she wouldn't use the hoist at the back to, to travel on in a wheelchair because she felt unsafe. So she had really limited access to the community. Yeah. Um, and for four years she hadn't travelled in a van. And when I said, well, we need to get her in the van, everybody looked at me and went, there's no way that's ever going to happen. Everybody's tried. And I went, yeah, okay, fine. It took me about three months. Yeah. She was travelling in the you back of the van. Yeah. I can see you doing that. I can. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't want to be the one that offers you a challenge. <laughs> Neville, I haven't forgotten you over there, mate. <laughs> I'm, I'm an 100% enthralled. 
by this woman. She's been the greatest thing that ever happened to me in my life, and uh, and and for all of those reasons, yeah. because she took me on as a special project as well. I think. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I've I've I got involved with people uh, helping people with disability a little bit when she started the sector a few years ago. Yeah. Had some incredible stories amongst that. The companies that I worked with got a, dual, a dual, sort of a, a double package when they got me there because yeah. um, if something needed to be done in the house then it was going to cost too much to get like a yeah. the cupboard needed to be or a door needed to be rehung or a cupboard needed to be modified. Mm. I'd just get Neville to come in and do it for yeah. me. <laughs> But I've spoken to him prior to the podcast today mm. and he's as passionate about about it all as you are. Mm-hmm. Like he's got tremendous energy mm. and passion for it. But let's just stick with Justine just for a little while. Absolutely. Because I, want, I, I have. Would, <laughs> <laughs> but I'd like you to comment because you're an observer to Dignified there. I used the term then. <laughs> I even shortened the name of the company or the business from Dignified Movement to Dignified. Mm-hmm. You're an observer of Dignified. Mm. I'd love you to comment, please, as a close observer, a closer observer of Justine and her work and, and Janet and, and the environment and the business that they're creating down there. What do you see that's inspiring for you? What's absolutely beautiful in all that you observe going on down there at Dignified? It's one of the only businesses that I have ever experienced who actually say what they do. Um, as someone who's been involved in you know, businesses and coaching businesses and consulting with people, I have always noted people have got mission statements and they've got lots of principles and goals and things that they like to espouse as part of the culture. And it's very rare in my experience that that culture or the the, the principles are followed. Yeah. Um, one thing I have noticed about Dignified is that it follows from the top yeah. and compulsorily yeah. through uh, the, you know, a, a gravitational effect, if you like. It trickles down through yeah. because of the principles that Justine's just observed or, or told you about. Uh, uh, what are the wins? What are the things? Yeah. But that people-centric concept is genuine. And um, the, I've seen it happen in so many different places in my previous careers where people say things and don't do them or people, and unfortunately people have been abused, for instance, and abuses are breakdowns of systems that allow people to take advantage of somebody yeah, else. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. And yeah, yeah, this yeah. is something I would find yeah. incredible yeah. if it, in the true sense of the word, yeah. if it ever happened at uh, Dignified because there is such a huge attention to the the rights, but most importantly, the desires of the client. Yeah. And it's about the business fitting in with the yeah. client rather than yeah. the client fitting in with the service yeah. that they will provide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm hearing so many of those principles without me ever seeing, you know, the dot point exactly what they are, but I just heard you use the phrase people-centric. Hmm. Um, I don't think the word's been used, but I think it's been alluded to. There is a real sense of servitude, mm-hmm. not subservitude. It's uh, it's a real, I want to add value. 
There is absolutely. I, I, I am here to to add value to you. Please tell me how I can add value to you. Are there other principles, Justine, that that, that 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 as Neville says, are made fully alive in your business, and you just love that they are alive because they're not only valuable to the business, mm-hmm. but they're also valuable to the employees, to the client. Maybe they're valuable to our lives. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, the the feedback that I get most of the time from the staff, even none of us are perfect and we make mistakes. Um, and one of our philosophies is that there's nothing wrong with making a mistake. Where the concern comes in is what you do with the mistake or the challenge comes in is what you do with that mistake. So we're very open, honest and transparent. Um, and if we do make a mistake, we use it and we learn from it. Um, and we also accept responsibility. So when things go wrong, even if we haven't had a hand in what's gone wrong, we still accept responsibility insofar as what we can do to make a difference so that it doesn't happen again. Yeah. So we had an example of that would be a a client recently that um, we've got some challenges with around how we support them um, and we there was a shift that we couldn't fill um, and we had a conversation with the, with the person and explained to them our situation, offered them alternatives. They decided that they could cope on their own, no problem on that particular night. Um, and then due to pain and um, a whole host of other things, they decided to be upset about it the following day. So I went and had a conversation with them and I came back and I spoke to the support manager for that client and I said, they respond much better in person. So if we have, so from now on, if we have information to deliver that might not be palatable or might not be the best of information, because sometimes it happens, we need to do that in person rather than by email, phone or in writing. So she only lives down the road, so jump in the car and go to... So it's, it's, it's about, we weren't responsible for her being... Like it wasn't our fault or we yeah. weren't to blame, yeah. but we were still responsible for her being upset. So what can we do to stop or yeah. to, to, to alleviate that for the future? Uh, it sounds to me as if the support person hmm. inadvertently could make a mistake. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the team is really, really happy to take on then the responsibility of finding solutions. Absolutely. Uh, of finding the recovery, yep. of finding how to move it forward. Mm-hmm. So no one person has got the finger pointed at them. They no. must feel tremendous connectedness within Absolutely. the team. Yep. I, had a, I had to have a, um, a conversation one time with a staff member um, because she had made multiple mistakes. And so um, we, you know, early in, Jeanette talks about in orientation that, her concern is what you do with a mistake and that you don't hide it and you tell the truth and that we can work through it. So the mistake came to light. I got brought the staff member in and obviously because of past experience, she was very nervous about that situation. Yeah. Um, and then I, we apply, I applied the philosophy. So tell me what happened. How did that happen? Why did you do it? Do you think that it was appropriate? How can we make sure that doesn't happen again? Can we learn from this and move forward? And at the end of the conversation, she was, she was actually grateful. She said, thank yeah. you. So, like, so she was coming in for a difficult conversation and walked away grateful for the way the conversation yeah. went. But my guess is that's because the leadership of that conversation led with profound openness. Absolutely. Profound transparency. um, No finger pointing in it. No judgment. Just wanting no judgment, wanting to move it forward. And when that happens, Mm. nine times out of ten, please correct me if I'm not seeing it rightly, but mostly that invites the other person 
to do the same. And they too yep. are then approaching it without judgment, without protectionism. Oh, we're here together to find solutions. Mm-hmm. Is that how it works? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the, the you know, you, you, that's the philosophy we're building and that's the culture we're building within the business. Yeah. Um, and we are certainly the people that are working within the business, um, as support workers are out there when they run into other support workers um, that are unhappy at their companies. They're saying, come across. So we're getting some really great staff coming across at the moment that are approaching us that want to work with us, um, which is fabulous. And so we are sort of starting to get to a point where we're starting to pick and choose the, the staff that we get on board <laughs> and who we're going to, you know, so we can wow. pick the creme de la creme. Of course, some. We're talking about Janet's business, mm-hmm. Dignified Movements, although I think it's as much yours in terms of <laughs> leadership as it is Jeanette's. I'm sure she wouldn't mind me saying that. But the business of your home life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and dear listeners, this is why we're here. We're here because you're about to hear an incredible story of, um, I, I think, although I think I'm going to be corrected too. Um, <laughs> sacrifice, compromise, um, servitude. In Justine and Neville, we have two partners. Two partners? We have partners who take on into their household the fostering of children. Correct. I'm going to stop there right now and just ask you, Neville, could you please describe... What happens in your household? Who lives in your household? (laughs) What's happening in your household? Because something remarkable is happening. I'd love our listeners to know about it. Well, um, three and a half years ago, uh, we have taken on four children who's... Did you say four? Four. Then then it was that they were six to 13 at that stage. Um, they're a sibling group, and Justin and I have been doing uh, respite foster caring for two or three years before that, um, which meant that every second weekend we'd have one, two, three kids that had come around, or occasionally emergency placements when someone was sick or on holidays as a carer, and we'd take their kids for that period of time. And... Uh, that changed because of COVID and a whole bunch of other things. But uh, when these lovely little humans came into our life, um, it was there was I found out there was ninety nine children under ten in residential care in southeast Queensland. There was no room at the inn. The government could not provide placements for these kids except to scatter them to the four winds. And maybe, yeah, you know, for days, weeks, perhaps potentially months, be floating around from place to place, totally displaced. Uh, Justine and I had a long discussion about it because you know right. we have businesses and work and yeah. things to run, and provided we got the support, we said, okay, well, we'll try it for a week, <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah. So three and a half years later, here we are. So your your entree was r- respite care. Yes, for children. That that was for a weekend. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh huh. Then you you discovered that that because there was no room at the inn, the four children, for example, that you currently care for, they could have been scattered to siblings broken up. 
Yeah, absolutely. Taken to yeah. different homes, four different homes as a as a possibility. Uh, it wasn't even to go to homes because there was no positions available with foster carers. Like in in southeast Queen or well in Queensland, there's eleven and a half thousand children in care. Wow, it and might be worth at this point just explaining the diff what Neville's talking about. Mm. So what he's talking about, you've got in home placement, so that's with a family, and right. that can that can be um, a two person family, it can be a single parent family, mm. it can be grandparents, it can Kinship, be yeah. ki- all sorts. Of, so at home with a family is one type of foster care. The other type of placements that kids in care go to is what's called residential care. Yeah, and in residential care, that's basically a house where you've got a roster of support workers or youth workers that come through. So you might have someone in the house from 8 till 2, then someone in the house from 2 till 10, they sleep over, and then someone else come back. So there's no consistency. They're youth Mm. workers. They're on a rotating roster. Um, And so there's no opportunity to really build um, a relationship or a connection. Um, And at that, as Neville was saying, at that time, there was something like um, uh, there was almost 100 kids under 11. So that's not counting the kids over the age of 11. Yeah. That's Mm. the kids under 11 that were living in residential units as young as four. Now, four-year-old children were living in these homes where there wasn't a mum and a dad or Mm. any type of parent. It was just youth workers coming in on on a rotating roster and that's still the case um so there's it's it's really difficult and sometimes you've got to wonder whether or not that's actually a better option yeah than um than staying in the in the unpleasant home life so you took on the four four siblings brothers and sisters four sisters three 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 girls girls and a boy three girls and a boy and you thought you'd trial it (laughs) Uh, well, we only ever did it for a week, so we were we were we were very clear, Bernie, that yeah. when we signed up, we we're very clear on our boundaries. We, we were very clear <laughs> that we were only going to do weekend uh, respite care because you know we were older and we worked full time and we yeah. had lots of pressures in our life and we thought we could give back that way. Yeah. Um, and when these kids came, they came for a week, yeah. um, and that was it. We actually packed them up on the Monday morning, we and sent them off and said goodbye. But when we found out that they were being shipped off. They lived at Pimpama originally, yeah. and we're at Upper Coomera. Yeah. And they were going to the high school at Pim- or the schools at the, in, in the Pimpama area. Yeah. Um, and the only place they could put them was Mango Hill, so all the way over the other wow. side of yeah. the Brisbane River. Yeah. Yeah. Then they were going to have to ferry them back and forth to school every day. Yeah, now, that's one of the thing. And, and in the, split under them up. the well, in the in the the, the law, yeah. as applies to foster caring, when kids first come into care. The system is there to try and obviously help the children and taking them out of schools and sending them somewhere else is just mm. so disruptive. So the principle is that the kids stay in school where they are being schooled. Yeah, that makes sense. However, what didn't make sense is an hour and a half before school and an hour and a half after school, the kids would be driving in a car with a youth worker to the north side of Brisbane Yeah, if they could get a spot. Mm. The, and it was highly unlikely that there was more than two of them going to be staying together. Yeah. So you've got a complete fragmentation of the, the sibling group. Mm. Uh, and we looked at each other and I remember us having a talk about that. And uh, I thought, yeah, they were, initially I must admit, I thought we were being uh, trying to get convinced because it was easier because we were closer. But when I found out the the true numbers, which we've mm. just been through, and I said to Joe, yeah, we, we cannot not do this. Yeah, this, yeah, yeah. 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 How, how can you 
turn your back on four kids. Yeah, who this are is remarkable. So they came back in the afternoon this with their remarkable. bags <laughs> and yeah, then packed yeah. them again. <laughs> <laughs> and then you make a monstrous decision. Yes. yes. <laughs> what was the decision? <laughs> to be honest, it was a no-brainer. Yeah. Uh, just then I evaluate things a bit weirdly, hence we're one of the weirdos that come onto your show. Uh, but we t- I, we have a principle that uh, life, the universe, provides us with opportunities. And if you've got the resources, if you've got the time, and if you've got the desire, then just do it. You got to stop there, young man. <laughs> <laughs> because what I personally am finding very fascinating is I can't believe for one moment this was in the plan. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, five years ago, when I turned sixty, yes. I could not possibly imagine me being the father of four young children. Amazing. At my age. Amazing. G'day listeners, it's Chip Huddy here and I'm just dropping in with another of my loaded questions because that is amazing, isn't it? Neville allowing his life to take that much of a left turn and at his age. Now there's a lot to say about that and it's worth keeping in mind as we continue to listen to this episode because I'm going to circle back around to it in this week's take-home pay. But for now, it's enough that you and I ask ourselves To what degree am I open to rolling with the unexpected? How willing am I to swing at the curveballs that life hurls my way? Am I brave enough to run with the spontaneous? Because you've got to be brave. You've got to be as brave as Neville. And that's daunting, isn't it? It's sure as hell daunting to me. So can we trust in life enough to allow ourselves to be that brave? So you speak to me now, please, about the the in, incredible um, surprise <laughs> that you personally have received. And I'm talking about the personal impact upon you as a human being in opening up this surprise package of four children. It wasn't in the plan. It wasn't no. part of the future. It wasn't the way you were supposed to, you know, enter into the third and last chapter of your life, for goodness sake. I'm and only halfway through, Bernie. <laughs> Give me a break. Give me a break. Uh, <laughs> I want you the, – the impact upon you, hmm. please, elaborate. Oh, heaps of fun. Um, it's massive fun and it's massively challenging and um, it's massively rewarding. Elaborate. What are the rewards? I, ha- I have had a kid who was on the spectrum uh, who couldn't connect his brain yeah. with his feet to ride a bicycle. Yeah. Yet through all the training and things that I've done in my journey, I found a way of talking to him about yeah. it and his massive frustration, but then taught him how to have the wind blowing in his face. Yeah. And watching a kid learn to ride and watching his grandmother who came to pick him up crying yeah. because they hadn't been able to provide that little tiny school for a yeah. you know, 
however he was at the seven or eight year old, um, you see the look and the change, and that's made a massive change in that kid's life. Yeah. That's just one. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've seen so many kids who have just seen a different way of looking at life. Life doesn't have to be hard and tragic and difficult and abusive and loud and noisy and people yelling all the time. You can come into our house and it's quiet and the television's not always on and the kids, um, you know, I've got the two youngest ones at the moment, they've decided to write their own books. So they're, when I left them this morning, they were sitting there writing books about their own little characters that they've been uh, developed and, yeah. and you see that peace and safety and yeah. imagination and yeah. uh, all of these things coming out. And w- when we have a system at night mm. where we were talking earlier about you know, happiness, for instance, before we started the podcast, but gratitude is such an important thing that people need to embrace, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And Justine and I tend to share that view. And every night... Instead of having fights or arguments around tables and what have you, we sit down as a family and we have a meal together and the television is turned off and there are four things that come up. You have to find three things that happened today for which you have gratitude and everybody goes around the table and names three things that they were grateful for. And we've recently introduced and one act of kindness wow. that you have given to somebody in the community. Are today. they all willing participators in this this discussion? Um, well, willing is perhaps not the right word. <laughs> oh, look, yes. Ultimately, they all do. It becomes uh-huh. part of routine, but that's also important about training the brain because yeah. they're looking for gratitude and they're looking for kindness. Yeah not looking for bad things mm, and mm, fear and terror, mm, which is what they yeah. have been dealing with. Yeah, now as I listen to you speak, it occurs to me, and, and you correct me if I'm, I'm not on the money here, it occurs to me, I don't think there's any way in the world you would have done this without Justine. Not a chance in Hades. <laughs> this so, woman is incredible and she has taught me so much. Well, now we're getting to the impact on you because it's not just the taking of the four children in and and you being a catalyst for some of their beautiful outcomes and their beautiful experiences that they may never have had. You mentioned the wind in their face as they, they, they rode a bike. Hmm. But the whole environment, of course, shouldn't be discussed without Justine oh, of course. in the household. So speak. Speak to us, please, about the the impact on you of that entire environment, the feeling of family, the feeling of partnership with Justine. Is this an environment which creates life? Does it create love? What does it create for you? Everything. Um, what an answer that is, man. What an answer that is, man. But it is... Um, I don't get buried in uh, servitude to people, but I enjoy serving others. Yeah. Um, I, well, our relationship's a bit different to most people where Justine's one tending to be the breadwinner. Um, 
in recent times, and certainly uh, I'm the carer, prime care of the children. <laughs> you weren't um, expecting that one, mate, were you? <laughs> ain't that the truth? <laughs> but um, yeah, we ha- we have a relationship that works for us, yeah. and we've had to adapt and change over the last what ten years, eleven years we've been together, yeah. and. It's been a process of adaptation and change and uh, discomfort at times too, certainly. But I love this woman with all my heart. I could not imagine my life without her. And that flows into everything else in life. I am totally content about who I'm sharing my life with, but I share my life. I don't take life from her and she doesn't take life from me. Yeah. We are very much about energy and yeah, you know, we're not particularly religious yeah. in in the sense of uh, barracking for a particular religious belief, but spirituality absolutely. Yeah. And the the energy that the universe provides us is exactly what we put out for. Yeah. Cut to the chase, Justine. Mm-hmm. You're hearing all this <laughs> You must be some woman, darling. (laughs) Dear people, this is not an interruption to the podcast. It is a beautiful invitation for you to join A Journey with Bernie, April 2024, in Nepal to experience Kathmandu, Kagandra Vocational School for 550 disabled children, and of course, the enormous, the magnificent Himalayas. The spirit of Nepal will invade your soul, the peace and the calm of the people. It's not something you can just get anywhere. You will learn so much from your experiences around Kathmandu. And of course, that mighty adventure, that wonderful, glorious trek to the magnificent Himalayas where you will have a first-hand encounter with Sagamatha, Mother Goddess herself, Mount Everest. Dear people, this is unforgettable. This is an experience that will invade every fibre of your body. It is not possible to return as the same person that left. Plus 61-412-982-444. Text me, dear people. Text me on that number and I will have an information kit to you. Your private invitation to join us in April 2024. Nepal is calling you. When you say you've both been on this journey of self-development, you know, let's just call it learning, growing, evolving as human beings, mm-hmm. um, just, just give, us a, um, give us a book or two, you know, in, that, <laughs> in all that you've done. Like in the last podcast or recent podcast, I've been promoting, a couple of people have been talking about meditation. I say, oh, you've got to have a crack at Vipassana, you know, mm-hmm. meditation, the 10-day silent retreat. Now, I'm sure that you, you too have had experience You've read books. Uh, sometimes some of those books, they just stand out for you. You would say, oh, please, please, please read this book. Give us one of the learnings, one of the books, one of the experiences that you've had and you thought, oh, wow, that was profound. I have two really profound books. Um, and it was um, early on, a lot of stuff. It was in my um, early 30s, late 20s. And I was struggling with my family relationships yeah. and and putting them into perspective and step parents and a whole host of things, and um, I was given a book or Rebecca recommended a book called Families and How to Survive Them, written by John Cleese mm. and his um, 
uh, someone Skinner, he's a psychologist. Yeah. Um, after three failed marriages, John Cleese realised that maybe he was a part of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Got some help and wrote these books. And the thing, uh, I, at that stage of life, I blamed my father for a lot of the yeah. what I perceived to be problems in my life. Yeah. Um, it was all his fault. If my father had been nicer to me, if my father hadn't been so strict, if my father hadn't done this, if I'd been brought up differently, then I wouldn't be blah, blah, blah. I was in a very strong blame game situation in my late 20s. Yeah. So there was one line in that book that said um, parents do the best they can with the skills and knowledge they have at the time. Yeah. And that one line like created this epiphany for me that all of a sudden all of that blame, it was overnight disappeared and dissipated and I realised at that point I'm an adult now, I'm responsible for my life. Yeah. Yeah. And I and it was a massive shift, yeah. massive shift in my relationship with my father. Yeah. Um, it was it was it was crazy, insane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I gather then there was more acceptance of just who mm, your dad was rather yeah. than an evaluation as to whether his behaviour was appropriate or inappropriate. Who I am now is a re- is a result of of me being responsible for me, not what yeah. other people do to me. Yeah. I'm in charge of my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, you said a second book. The other book was The Richest Man in Babylon. Oh, so yeah, um, I was in a – I'd got myself into a financial pickle um, at a certain point in my life um, and it, the book wouldn't have made sense to me except for the fact that I was in such a financial pickle yeah. um, and the simplicity of how to um, manage money and get ahead in life yeah. um, out of that book, um, you know, don't spend more than you earn. I mean, yeah, it sounds really do. dumb. Yeah. <laughs> But I always thought, that's okay, I can have it today and I'll pay it off. You know, I can afford to pay it off. And that yeah. was that was my philosophy until I read that book. Um, and, yeah, when um, Neville and I moved to Queensland, we, we came with practically nothing. Um, yeah. And then I just said to Neville one day, that's it, we're going to buy a house. And yeah. three years later we had a deposit. Wow, 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 wow. From wow. nothing. <laughs> Nev, you got a book or you got an experience? Um, uh, so many. But um, one book, I, I was – profoundly depressed in the early 90s. Um, One of the reasons why I went on a bit of a personal development journey, but um, uh, a book that I found hugely valuable, it was The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, Mm. Uh, a beautifully book, a written book, uh, simple, and when someone who was clinically depressed has diagnosed as such, um, reading things that are simple is about yeah. all you can ab- absorb. Yeah. And that's a book that's beautifully written, yeah. simple. Yeah. It's a chicken soup type of book yeah. with a lovely, kind story. Yeah. And uh, that calmed me a lot. Right. Um, families and how to survive them. I actually read that too back in those sorts of days. But uh, 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 John Cleese and Robin Nevin. <laughs> did series on cognitive behavioural therapy and things yeah. like that, which was hilarious, but very – I followed a lot of those types yeah. of uh, therapies yeah. and that helped me get on this, the, the pathway to getting out of depressive illness. Yeah. Um, it was born by a book by Sean Acor, uh, which we were talking the about before. The Happiness Project. The Happiness Project. Yeah. Um, and that – was about it's more about workplaces yeah. and how to apply it into yeah. workplaces. But uh, again, uh, a great book. 
And um, the art of not giving a... Oh, yeah. <laughs> by him. By him. <laughs> uh, I've just extraordinarily bald and well-researched. Yeah. Um, and I, as most people who know me know that I'm fairly direct about most things. Yeah. And uh, I quite enjoyed the series of books. Yeah. I, I enjoyed the second half of that book more mm. than I enjoyed the first half. I thought... He was so dedicated to saying the word fuck so many times <laughs> that I actually thought, oh, my God, what are you on about, mate, you know? Yeah. But I thought in the second half of the book where he actually got to the point mm. where he said, by the way, that the greatest gift you can actually give to anybody out there is 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 to be to be looking at self, maximising self, becoming the most best, beautiful, ugly, gutsy, vulnerable, wonderful person you can be and focus on that journey because in becoming that person and maximising yourself, that is the greatest gift you can give to people. Absolutely. You know, so don't give a fuck about too many other things out there. Just look inside yourself mm -hmm. to maximise yourself because ultimately that is the greatest gift. I thought that was a really profound, a profound message from, mm. from that book, you know. Hey, what I'm enjoying about this discussion is because I haven't lost track that you've actually accepted these four children into, <laughs> into your home. Mm -hmm. But what we've got now is we've actually got two people who may have inadvertently prepared themselves for such an enormous assignment <laughs> because you've, you've done the work mm -hmm. and you may not have realised how much work was going to be required to take these four children oh. into your home. But Justine, there would be so many of our listeners out there tuning in to, to what you're talking about and, and, I, and I can feel them asking, Give them some tips. <laughs> now, give them some tips on what? You must have learned so much about connecting with children, um, fostering the value of children, enhancing their, their esteem. I want you to come up with a couple each. That is two tips, Justine. Two tips, Neville. They've got to be different. I want four between you. On, 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 and, and not the usual because you can say the obvious things to, to, to parents. But you've learnt so much and you would say here are four tips that you, you just know they tend to work. And we all know that children are different. But they mm. tend to work with most. Give us a couple of tips. Um, for me, it's uh, it's not it's not just a tip. It's it's arm yourself with as much knowledge as possible. Whatever training's available, knowing and learning, mm. you know, getting trauma informed training, getting positive behaviour sport training, and following all of that sort of stuff, um, because that's that's where you're going to make a difference. But you have to stop there because mm. for parents listening here, they don't they don't have these children on board. They have their own children on board. But you are therefore saying arm yourself with learning about how to be a parent. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow, you geez, you said that quickly. <laughs> we uh, weren't, we weren't, we, as I said, you know, I've been a parent before and I thought I did a pretty good job. In fact, I thought I was a pretty awesome parent until I realised that perhaps, the, uh, you know, I still had a lot of skills to learn. Where um, did you arm yourself, bud? What, what did you actually do to uh, learn how to be a better parent apart from through experience? Books. 
Wow, um, okay. The, um, when you become a foster carer, um, the, the organisation that you foster through will run all different sorts of training. Yeah. Um, they have therapeutic, they have behaviour support training, they have trauma-informed training. Uh, the trauma-informed stuff, again, has become a buzzword, which I'm, I'm not big on buzzwords, but everything's all about trauma-informed care these days. Yeah. Um, Trauma-informed care is just being caring and considerate and tolerant and understanding that the behaviours are not deliberately focused at you but because they haven't developed because of the trauma that they've experienced. So um, it's about being – being. you've you've just got to be tolerant and recognise one of the – I can remember when I first heard about positive behaviour support because I was was a parent, originally a parent, who believed in smacking and and I – and my daughter absolutely got smacked. Um, and when the positive behavior support training came around, um, I can remember saying to people and even think to myself, there's nothing wrong with smacking. This positive <laughs> behavior is all just hairy, fairy, lovey dovey stuff. It doesn't work. But then I learned about it and I actually did the training and I started using it and, and I realized that it's way more impactful kids that are punished yeah. through smacking or removal of, you know, um, rights or, or whatever. Um, but when the, when the, the consequence of an action is punishment, um, they just learn to be smarter or cleverer or lie more, or they find ways cause they don't want to get punished. So yeah. they find ways to, to not be punished to yeah. go forward when you use positive behavior support. So you're essentially ignoring, there's still natural consequences for poor behavior. So when, when behavior has, um, has injured someone or damaged something, there's a natural consequence for that. You'll lose, you know, an item that's been broken or or whatever. But when you focus on the positive behavior support and you build quality of life and you, and you, um, recognize that all behavior is a form of communication and you treat any behavior. So if someone's playing up or misbehaving or behaving in a way that you don't like, they're trying to communicate something to you. So if you listen to the communication rather than look at punishing the behavior and you do it in a positive way and you find different ways of getting the same needs met but in a positive way rather than a negative way, the impact is far more profound and they're not then trying, they're not seeking to hide from you or to, or to lie to not get in trouble because they're no longer in trouble. They're about growing and and being uh, more positive in in their communication. You got a single sentence, just a single sentence to describe (laughs) positive behaviour support. I want our listeners to fully understand what you're what you're talking about there, but it's a single sentence. Nail it for us. A single sentence for positive behaviour support is um, probably identifying that all behaviour is a form of communication. Listen to what they're saying. Beautiful. Don't react to the behaviour. Elaborate. So you listen to the message. So um, if a um, I had a a, a, um, a client years ago that um, all of staff would complain that she'd come home from her day program and she'd be in a foul mood. She'd slam doors. She'd upset everybody. She was she would just she was her behaviour was atrocious and she doesn't fit in the house. We need to move her on. Blah blah blah. And I you know, hold on a minute. 
I've just done this positive behaviour training. So, <laughs> um, okay, so um, she has this attention-seeking behaviour. So I banned the term attention-seeking behaviour in the house and I started looking at it from a positive behaviour framework. So what I did is the first time I went to the house, I, I got there and she got home from her day program. So I introduced myself to her and we sat down and we spent 10 or 15 minutes debriefing her day. So she told me all about okay. her day, what okay. was going on, what book she was reading. And at that point I said to her, listen, I'm busy. I need to finish this. Yeah. Uh, you've got that book there. Why don't you go and read that for a little while and I'll come and see you before I go. No behaviours that night. Yeah, well. So in one session I was able to identify what she was communicating is value me when I walk in the door. Let me debrief yeah. my day. Don't ignore me. Don't be cooking the dinner. Don't talk to everybody else. Give me 10 minutes. And once I implemented that, bang, the, all of a sudden this child that was uncontrollable and, and we could with a disability we couldn't yeah. manage became one of the nicest kids in the house. That's all well, it took. Mind you, I'm smiling. I think everyone could benefit from that <laughs> <laughs> when they walk into the house. Beautiful, but great description. That's how simple it is. Yeah, it's, yeah. She, what she was communicating with that behaviour is – Give me five minutes of your time. Yeah. Make me the focus of your time yeah. when I get home. That's what yeah. she was saying. Yeah. But she didn't know how to say that. Yeah. So she did it with behaviour. Cut to the chase, Nev. Give us a tip. Give us a tip on, on parents listening to this podcast here on, on how they can connect beautifully, how they can add more value to their children, how they, they can help their children develop greater esteem, worth and value. Respond. Elaborate. Similarly. With Justine, I, I, I've in my previous careers, I've interviewed some pretty dangerous and up uh, people who are not particularly thinking the same way as everybody else. Because you were a private investigator, indeed. Yeah, wow. Um, I've I, I, just, uh, I can't remember where I got the the comment from, but it was you can't hate someone whose story you know. And I have interpreted that over the years and certainly getting to know lots of people, mainly professionally in the early stages, but I apply that to everybody and everything these days. So get to know the story. Gotcha. Get to know what the circumstances are. And when we talk about fostering, kids are in foster care for a reason. Yeah. And it's usually something that's dysfunctional on... Several level, yeah. Understand the story, yeah. You start to understand what might be influencing the patterns that have been created in that child, yeah. If you understand the patterns, you might not like the behavior, but the behavior is a result of something else, yeah. I guess similarly to what Justine has just described, where positive behavior support, yeah. You, Recognise the person, recognise the behaviour for what it is, but don't buy into the behaviour. You're not a bad person Mm. because the behaviour is antisocial. You are a person reacting to whatever the stimulus is. So if you know the story, it makes it really easy because if I know you've been abused and I know, for instance, you would be familiar with the concept of love languages, which Director Jerry, Gary Chapman has spoken to mm. for years. If you're a physical, uh, you like physical touch, touch, and you're a child who's been beaten, mm. that is going to be more amplified mm. by the fact that you enjoy physical touch. Mm. And 
if you raise your hand to a child mm. who's physical touch and tactile, whatever you do in that way is going to be amplified. So you don't provide a threat. And it, it's happened numerous times with different kids that we've had where yeah. you can, they, they might be strong physical touch, but I know they've been physically beaten. Yeah. So I don't put my arm around them or give them a hug because I will give them a hug. Mm. But I invite that in yeah. if they want to. Rather than imposing it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. What a beautiful message. Yeah. Know someone's story so that you can understand their behaviour. Mm. Yeah. But I suppose I'm thinking too, uh, the, the way that you said that is like knowing their entire story and knowing most of their life story. But I suppose it, it, it's equally important in a day. Mm. Know the story of the day so that you can understand the afternoon and the evening behaviour. You were referring to that before. We no, have Justine. that as kids at the end of school term. Yeah. End of term three has just happened. Yeah. And the kids are tired and they are ticked off and they grumpy. are grumpy and short-tempered. Yeah. And you understand that. Know their story. And say, well, yeah, 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 yeah I know. Yeah, yeah. And walking up to a child and saying, I imagine that you're feeling really tired and you just wait for the holidays. Am I right? It's a joy to hear these little quips <laughs> um, that you're offering us as if you were the child was here. <laughs> like just listening to you then, Neville, you know, it, 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 it's as if there was a child here and you're actually uh, rehearsing what you would say. You know? Well, we are constantly it. rehearsing, and I can tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, Justine, give us something different because I said two each because that's one <laughs> each, okay? So I want another piece of advice or guidance to parents listening to this on how to lift the value and the worth and the esteem and the feeling of self-love of our children. Um, I think also identify or like the, we've got four kids at the moment and you couldn't get four more different kids. Mm. The kids that have grown up in the same environment with the same or three of the same parents um, and you 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 need to truly be individual in your approach for each. Don't be the same. You've got to be fair, but don't be the same. You you know some of the one of the oldest loves to you know spend time with me, and you know we can and she values that. Yeah. Um. And it being more girly, and the second one likes to be um sporty and active. Yeah. Um. The third one likes to be quiet and read. You know. So they've all got different needs. So realise where their values are and spend time with them in their valuable space. Mm-hmm. Nev, do you know the name? Oh, sorry. This no, no. Is, no, no, my fault because I assumed you wouldn't know the name of an English cricket captain, so I do apologise, <laughs> Justine. <laughs> if I mentioned to both of you the name Mike Brealy. Yes, no? no yes. You no, do no, remember? No, remember no, Mike? You do, you do. Averaged about oh, 28 with the bat. As an opening batsman of a test side, that doesn't last. You don't last for too mm. long. But one of the great English cricket captains, um, you know, had a record, I'm making it up now, 32 test victories out of 44 tests as an English test cricket captain. He was very know. successful. Yeah. Yeah, Something sure. like that, you know, yeah. And I was once asked by a, um, a, a radio interviewer, hey, um, now, Mike, you, you, didn't, um, you didn't actually set the house on fire with the, uh, with the bat, but wow – what an English cricket captain you were. What was your secret to captaining England? And his reply went something like, well, I never captained England. Yeah, they said, what? 
You were captain of England for 42 tests. No, 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 no. I was the captain of 11 different individuals. Mm-hmm. And he said, I can assure mm. you the way that I managed Ian Botham was very different to the way that I managed Bob Willis <laughs> or David Gower. Mm-hmm. And the inference was that part of his secret of being a great leader was to know the individual and to know how he had to connect with the hearts mm-hmm. of those different individuals. And mm. every individual was, was different. I hear you saying and that. Kids, absolutely, uh, kids are the same. Uh, mm. Parents and kids are exactly the same thing. Yep. Guys, it's me, it's Chip, and this is another loaded question. Now, earlier, I heard Neville say, you can't hate someone whose story you know. And now we've just heard Bernie's Mike Brealey story about the importance of truly understanding the individual. And to truly understand the individual, you need to understand them on their own terms, not yours, theirs. And it makes me think of how quick I can be to judge someone based on their, by my standards, bad behavior, when I know nothing about their background. Because the behavior is just the signal. The person's background, their story, is the actual message that's being communicated. So how often am I getting caught up in the signal and missing the message? How often am I allowing my own story to dictate my sense of another person's? Because it's human nature to judge, but it's also human nature to connect, to understand, and to love. So what strategies can we put in place? What mental alarm systems, let's say, to allow us to consistently select understanding and veer away from judgment? How do we stop ourselves getting caught in the signal and never miss the message? Why am I thinking of Carl Gibran, the (laughs) prophet? You know, your children are not your children for they live in the house of Mm. tomorrow. Be like the archer. Take an arrow from the quiver and send them forth into the land of tomorrow, a land which you may never visit. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. Beautiful. The, the Prophets, a oh, wonderful book. That, that, that was perhaps one of the very first that I read as a young buck that really had a, had a, firm, a firm impression upon me. Mm. I tell you what's having a firm impression is is my enhanced imagination as to who you two are. <laughs> like, well, oh, no, 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 remarkable, really, when you think about it. There you are, Justine. You're, you're working with people with disability. I, I'm, I'm assuming the elderly, if I've also understood correctly. You're giving so much to them. Okay, it's, a, uh, it's part of your paid work proposition. But I don't think that is the um, the prime driver. Um, almost get the feeling you wouldn't perhaps do it all for nothing. But it's lovely that you're rewarded for it. But geez, you get so much passion and energy and life force. Mm-hmm. And then you come home and you got a man there who's um, just absolutely adores you. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know it. Mm-hmm. God, you must be good. Girl, <laughs> <laughs> <Grr>, baby. <laughs> And together, you, 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 there's a dedication to each other's growth mm-hmm. and, um, and, and, and ongoing development and involvement as, as beings. And part of the, the execution of all that is the beautiful action that you give to four children. 
mm-hmm. who must be blessed to have both of you in their lives. I'm glad you think so. Uh, uh, yeah, a, yeah well, a lot I, I of really people appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, a lot I'm of people say that. Must be. But we get just as much back from them as what we give. Wow. Absolutely. We um, there's no such thing. There was I can remember years ago. I think um, I might have even been um, ex president. Um, this, uh, there's no selflessness in giving. Yeah. There's always a payback. Yeah. So um, that's not necessarily why you do it, but there is always a payback. Are you talking about Donald Trump? No, it was, no, no, no. It was the other one. It was Bill Clinton. All oh, right. <laughs> I sure it was Bill Clinton. I'm sure that I wrote a book, don't know. something or other I, about the. I, I the, can't remember Trumpy ever saying that. No, the uh, the the there is no such thing as selflessness yeah. when it comes to um to giving. Yeah. Um, because there is there's there's a payback in in just having these these four beautiful kids to love um yeah. and to be loved by. Yeah. Um, you know, the particularly the littlest, um, you know, some, he's still only little, so he'll has, have bad dreams and, you know, come and jump into bed with us and he just loves to, to feel safe in that environment. Yeah. And it's, you know, we actually went and bought a king-size bed so we could sleep yeah, still. Amazing. <laughs> amazing. Um, but, yeah, just having these extra little people to, to love and to be loved by. Yeah. Hmm. How does Neville make you a better person? Um, by giving me the space to be who I truly am wow. um, and and loving me. Wow. Hmm. You know, I regard that as one of the great acts of love. Mm-hmm. In my limited <laughs> experiences of what love is, it is the ability to give the other the space to be themselves hmm. and not to ask them to be the person that they need you to be. Hmm. Yeah. But I think that by doing that you are what they need. Yeah. Yeah. You become you you because you it, it's a give and take. You get, it comes back. Well, I get the greatest gift, isn't it? Hmm. We we're talking about that book before because you actually get the best of Justine. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, we've got to wrap up, guys. <laughs> <laughs> really? Been a Can't beautiful, <laughs> beautiful journey. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Last question. Justine, what is love? After all your experiences, my dear, what is love to you? For me, um, I am love. And if I'm not, then I can't give it or have it with anybody else. Yeah. So if you are loved, we know that there's so much more behind that sentiment. What stops you from being loved? You can say, well, not much. I think that's what <laughs> Neville would say about you. I, not, not so long ago, I, I attended a, uh, a, a night. It was a meditative night, uh, a Buddhist night. Mm-hmm. And we had to go around to all strangers. There would have been a hundred of us in the room. And we just had to look each other in the eye. We're talking about strangers mm-hmm. here. And we had to sing the words. And the words were, I see the light in you. Mm-hmm. You see the light in me. Mm-hmm. Namaste. Namaste. Namaste, the, the Nepalese or the, the Sanskrit word mm-hmm. that means uh, I see the heart in you, mm-hmm. you know. And it was amazing. You do that for two or three minutes, mm-hmm. four minutes, five minutes with a whole group of strangers. It is incredible what you start to feel and what you start to see in the eyes 
of the receiver. Yeah. yeah. And the energy in the room just lifts. It did. And it and it and it releases the burden of of the of anything negative. You yeah. you, you can you can release it. Yeah. Hmm. Neville, I, I I'm an instinctive person, so I reckon she's given you the opportunity to feel that core. Oh, that loving core. Oh, absolutely. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. She is one of God's greatest creations. She's just a beautiful person. (laughs) What is love? What have you discovered is love? Well, I'm nowhere near that level of brilliance. Um, But to me, love's about being totally, utterly unconditional. Elaborate, please. It's, if you walk around in life, and we all judge things, yeah. so, and we place conditions on things, yeah. so uh, we avoid comments like, good boy, good girl. It's great job. Yeah. And it, if you're not placing a condition on the individual, yeah then yeah. they are allowed to express themselves, yeah. allowed to express their true selves. Yeah. And Justine is you know, an amazing person. Yeah. There's things that sometimes I might disagree with, although for the life of me I can't think of any. But Do you want me to remind you of a few? <laughs> <laughs> she, she'll remind me of plenty. Yeah. Um, but it's there's no judgment. I get it. And no conditions upon yeah, yeah. what we do or say yeah. with each other, or to, and that extends to anybody else. Beautiful state to get to, isn't it? Mm. Oh. To be in that state, but almost divine. Mm. You know, to be totally unconditional every day, every moment. Mm-hmm. Like I, I hear the term unconditional love and and buy into it as much as what I just heard described then. But to be that every moment, like wow. I would think that I've arrived <laughs> had I ever ever felt that on a, con, a, a continuous basis, it, Justine. It's definitely how you get the best out of people in general is yeah. to love them mm. because once you start placing conditions, you know, I'll love you and w- love I'll you love if. you if. Yeah. Um, it, it's not true love. Yeah. yeah as soon as you yeah. say, yeah, uh, I'll reward you for whatever behaviour. Yeah. That's actually placing a condition on a behaviour and yeah. that's at the simplest level. When you talk about the depth of connection between two souls, yeah. or whatever you tend to believe in, I that science agrees that energy just changes shape and form and doesn't dissipate. Yeah. I believe that science and spirituality mm. work perfectly well together. Yeah, they can. Yeah. So, it's and more and more too. Hey, mm. more and more they're finding how they can work yeah. together. Yeah, but love yeah. is infinite. Yeah, and. Yeah, we've had many discussions with many kids over the years in particular that yeah, love is not something that you have to compete for. Yeah. Because I love you doesn't mean I love you any less. Yeah. And the same goes with all our relationships in life. But love is infinite yeah. as energy is infinite. Yeah. And so there's plenty to splash around people. Mm. Go and suck it the marrow out of life, as our good friend Robin Williams said. Yeah. And enjoy every little moment that it's, you can. Yeah. I tell you what's not irrelevant is the value of this discussion. Mm-hmm. 
Geez, it's been beautiful. Have you enjoyed it? Very much so. Yeah, it's <laughs> been just a, a great exploration of you know two people's journeys. But in your case, it's also a great exploration of the journey of the us, mm-hmm. the us being Justine and and Neville, and who you've become in the in the process. Mm-hmm. And it is a it is a podcast about love, and so there is so much to love. In this podcast, it's your journey, it's your story, it's in awe and admiration for what you've chosen to do in offering life to these four beautiful children. I have, I have really, really enjoyed watching and learning about who both of you have become with and through your experiences, but with and through each other. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's been a, a, a great message as i was driving down this morning I, i'm not i wasn't looking for that message mm-hmm. you know i wasn't aware that that was going to to arise mm-hmm. what has this discussion meant for you um it's been it's it's again one of those things it's really easy to get caught up in the day-to-day and um to be able to um to look at and remember and to value what we've got yeah. because sometimes, yeah, you can get caught up in the humdrum and, and you forget. And not realise the value that you're bringing, yep. but not only to the four children, but mm-hmm. also what about the the thousands of listeners on this podcast mm-hmm. are going to hear this too? Mm-hmm. And what about ultimately the value that you, you bring to each other? Mm-hmm. You know? Joy for you, Neville? It's... Um it's actually, strangely reaffirming. Actually. Beautiful, mate. I um, love that. I I came in with an open heart and an open mind into this process. I didn't really give a lot of thought about it because I didn't want to overthink it. Yeah. And um, I just have reaffirmed how much we're on the same page about mm-hmm. so many things. Yeah. And um, I, I'm just grateful that we've had the opportunity to um, you know, tell a little bit of our story which yeah. may inspire other people to take on the, the opportunities to perhaps care for people in their yeah. own community wherever yeah. they are in the world yeah. um, and, and pass on some of the joy and the fun and the enlightenment that we've had yeah. through what can be, some people say it's really difficult and the simple fact is you, it can either be difficult or not. Yeah. It's one of those Yoda moment choices, yeah. and we choose it not to be difficult. We just choose it to rise to the challenge. Yeah, but you rise to the challenge together, don't mm-hmm. you? You know, Absolutely. and together, you you make that a little a little easier. Um, Neville, what should not be lost too? I, I think it is absolutely remarkable. And Justine, I hope you don't mind me focusing on mm. Neville, but mate. For you to open up the package <laughs> at sixty years of age and say uh, this maybe was not part of the plan, <laughs> but to take it all on um, as you as you have done, like 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 wow! But how much easier with Justine uh, oh, at your at your side? I couldn't do it without. This has been a story of love, folks, in <laughs> so many different dimensions. And I hope that uh, you've really, really enjoyed all the lessons that uh, Justine Baker and Neville Stone have given to this episode. And this is an episode of A Journey with, with 
Bernie. <laughs> we so, haven't had that ending we, before. We obviously, we obviously didn't rehearse that. <laughs> thank you, dear people, and thank you, dear listeners. Thank you. We thank love you, you all. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Well, good people, what did you think of that? I don't know about you, but I just loved it. But I continue to love these stories and these journeys of people's lives that can give to us strategies and actions and routines and and disciplines and ways of seeing the world, all of which can help us to become more loving human beings, happier ones too. And listening intently is the chipster, Chip Lachlan Huddy, our editor and producer. And as promised, he's about to deliver Chip's take-home pay, a four-minute summary of all the goodness and the gold that we just heard over the last hour. Hey, take it away, Chip. Thanks, Bernie, and hello, fellow adventurers. It's sublime to be with you for another edition of Chip's take-home pay. And today, I want to pull together two key themes from this episode. First, embracing the unexpected in your life. And second, allowing the things in your life the space to just be what they are. And I think that in combining those two concepts, we get something really, really powerful. Let me explain. So in the self-development space, there's a big emphasis on control, on engineering your life in such a way as to maximize your fulfillment. Now, there's a lot of value in that outlook, but it's also something I think we want to be wary of buying into too deeply, because no matter how designed your life is, no matter how finely tuned, no matter how exactingly orchestrated, it will always be a composite of what's under your control and what's not under your control. You can have your plans, your strategies, your desires, your actions. That's great. Be armed. Be prepared. But there will always be other people's plans. There will always be unforeseen difficulties. There will always be unexpected opportunities. There will always be inclement weather, for God's sake. Life is a beautiful disorder that sometimes, sometimes goes to plan. And when it does, the danger is to convince ourselves that if we just make the right to-do list, if we just implement the perfect morning routine and design the punchiest 10-step strategy flowchart, we can always make it go to plan. But here's a thought. What about treating your life like someone you love? What about giving your life the space, like Justine says Neville does for her, to be what it is? instead of always demanding your life be what you want it to be, or what you think you want it to be, rather. Now, that doesn't mean ceding all control to the four winds. It's perfectly healthy to have your plan and to strive to pave the pathway through life that you want. But recognize that's only half the equation. The other half is staying open-hearted to the unexpected pathways that life serves up, even if they seem to lead you away from your initial goals, because every pathway is an invitation. And what's another word for invitation? Opportunity. Let me give you an example. One of my best mates is a man called Stephen Gilbert. He's one of Australia's most successful Domino's Pizza franchisees. He's an absolutely sterling 
gem of a bloke. I love him to death. And you should all go back right now and listen to Bernie's interview with him in episode 13. Oh, wait, you go. Okay, ready? Good. Let's proceed. So one day last year, Gilly rings me up and he says to me, he says, Chippy, a friend of mine, Bernie Kelly, is looking for someone to edit his podcast. And Chippy, I said I'd ask if you were interested. No pressure, but I'd ask if you were interested. Now at the time, I was in the middle of studying. Um, I was wrestling with the first draft of a novel and two screenplays. I was working part-time. I was really not looking for any more on my roster. But this was an invitation. And you know what I call those. So I said, I'd meet with Bernie. Uh, I'd just see how it went, uh, and I'd take it from there. Fast forward one year. I've now been Bernie's guest on not one, but two treks to Everest Base Camp in Nepal. Uh, I've stood on the Base Camp Rock. I've peered up at Mount Everest, or Chomolongma, uh, or Sagamatha, the highest point on this awesome blue planet. I photographed and videoed stunning landscapes, magnificent people. I've made friends with Sherpas. I've drank Mamacita's Chang rice wine by the wood-burning stove in Namaste Lodge in the village of Pangboche. I felt at home on the dusty, jostling streets of Kathmandu. And I've now got my very own segment on Bernie's podcast, so you guys have to listen to me crap on about all of it. Now, has this slowed my progress in other things? Sure. Uh, that novel's still in the editing phase. Those screenplays need a once or twice over. But I think, and I think you'll agree, that it's been more than worth it. And it's always felt so right. It's always felt like such a great fit, like a piece of my life's jigsaw puzzle was locking into place. And none of it was the plan. All of it was opportunity. Now, with all that said, I do think there are some useful questions you can ask yourself in assessing, evaluating, and perhaps acting upon these unexpected opportunities when they crop up. Uh, so to finish, let's bring it back down to earth and quickly discuss those questions. First, uh, and this is from Tim Ferriss. Uh, he's a great podcaster, a thinker, author, all-round good dude, with whom I'm sure most of you are familiar and what Tim says is that if you're considering taking an unexpected opportunity, it's worth asking yourself, if this yields no material gain, is there something just in the doing of it that will bring me benefit? Uh, so, for example, for me, when I was deciding whether or not I'd step in and help Bernie with a podcast, I thought, even if this comes to nothing material, I'll be sharpening my audio editing skills, I'll be honing my collaboration skills, Bernie's an impeccable uh, and brilliant collaborator, very high standards, I like that. And this being a self-development podcast, I'll also have a weekly audience with fascinating stories and fascinating minds, and none of that was anything to sniff at. Okay, second question to ask yourself, and this is the common sense part. You want to ask yourself, will I be able to devote the full amount of effort and skill that this unexpected opportunity deserves because there's no way Bernie would have wanted me with him in Nepal if I'd half-assed the podcast, guys. I had to demonstrate a worthy level of give a shit, and I had to deliver a high-quality product. Be confident you can accomplish the mission before you go out into the field, especially when it's an unexpected opportunity. 
Okay, third and final question to ask yourself in these circumstances. And this one's my own little pearl of wisdom, road tested and rubber stamped by Chip Huddy Esquire himself. And it's all about being flexible and creative, not just with your actions, but with your perspective. And what I mean by that is when you're assessing an unexpected opportunity that looks on the face of it to lead away from your initial goals, ask yourself, is it really leading away or is it just taking the scenic route? Because if you're willing to be creative and flexible with how you look at the world, then you'll begin to see how every opportunity can feed into your goals. Imagine how inspiring I found it, walking amongst those ancient mountains. Okay, imagine how many of my novel's plot problems I was able to nut out while hiking up and down those stony slopes. Imagine how eager I was to get back to the keyboard after three weeks feeding my mind, feeding my soul with the sights, the smells, the sounds, the bracing chill of the Himalayas. And again, none of it was the plan. All of it was opportunity. All of it was the result of allowing my life the space to be what it was in that moment, to follow where it wanted to go. And as Bernie said in this episode, that's the greatest act of love there is. And I tell you what, guys, I think that in that regard, a life is like anything else. If you love it, it will love you right back. That's all from me, fellow adventurers. I'm Chip Huddy. This was Chip's Take Home Pay, and I do hope you found some pay worth taking home. As always, my friends, Auf Wiedersehen. Ah, that was gold, dear people. That was Lachlan Huddy and Chip's Take Home Pay. Simple strategies, aren't they? Just humble suggestions taken specifically from this episode. And you know and I know that if we implement them into our lives, it's just going to help us to be happier, a more beautiful human being and a more loving one at that. And who doesn't want that happening in their lives? Oh, dear people, I do hope this episode of A Journey with Bernie had a positive impact upon you. I can't wait to deliver the next one. Hey, it's just around the corner. Please enjoy this journey of life. Embrace this journey. And in the meantime, dear people, just remember this. Remember this.